I'm going to ask you to open your Bible or your app to Colossians chapter 3, or you can grab that outline. We've got this week and next week for Colossians 3. And then we're going to be wrapping up this series, and we've got some tough stuff to walk through today, so I'm going to pray, okay? So would you join me? Let's pray together. God, would you open our hearts to some tough truth? Would you help us to see the beauty of your design in all of our relationships? God, as we talk about this, I pray that we would not shut down or get defensive. Instead, Lord, we invite you to press into those tender places of our human interactions. And I pray that what you would find there is Jesus plus nothing. We invite you to speak because we are listening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been doing a series from the book of Colossians called Jesus Plus Nothing. And I have been anxious about certain sections, and this is one of those sections, okay? I've been anxious about it because certain words in the Bible just freak people out. And I'm going to use this particular word that I know will freak some people out a lot this weekend. The word is submission. And herein lies the problem with that particular word. The second I say submission... Some of you see a picture in your mind of an MMA cage fighter breaking your arm until you tap out. Or you picture someone being forced into something that they don't want to do. Or, especially if you're a guy, you have a flashback to your old high school wrestling coach turning you into a pretzel, making you submit while you're wearing one of those wrestling things that should be banned for the good of humanity, okay? Just my opinion. So because I know some of us are going to react to the word submission in this little section of the Bible that we're going to talk about today, I'm going to steal a page from my Little League baseball coach, okay? My Little League baseball coach was named George Pazook. What a great name for a coach, right? And he would show up at practice with a big stogie hanging out of his mouth, and he drove a great big Manitoba hydro truck, you know, and he'd throw the baseballs out there, and and his favorite words were, come on, son, like, come on, let's do this, and when he was teaching us to hit a curveball, which was funny to me because nobody in our league could throw a curveball, but he wanted us to be equipped, I will, I will never forget how he would always speak to us. He would say this, you hit the hard stuff the same way you hit the easy stuff. Eye on the ball, watch the rotation, small step, squash the bug, and pull your hips through till it hurts. Come on, son. I mean, that was the same thing. So this is what I'm saying to all of us, Okay. Before we hit the hard stuff, you need to know at Christ the King, we hit the hard stuff the same way we hit the easy stuff, all right? And we're just going to, we're going to swing really hard today and see how it works, okay? So before we hit the hard stuff on submission and relationships, we need to cover some basics. So here come the basics. Number one, everyone lives his or her life under some authority structure. Everybody in the room, okay? Even if you don't want to admit it, you live under an authority structure. If you don't believe me, Blow through every red light and stop sign on your way home, and you'll find out that you live under an authority structure. And if you still don't believe me, when the officer gives you a ticket for reckless driving, tear up the ticket into little tiny pieces and throw it at him or her, and you will find out even more. You are under an authority structure. The only thing you don't get to do is my pastor told me to do that, okay? Leave that alone, all right? We're all living under authority, human and divine. You're under God's authority right now, and you can either press against God's authority structure like I did for so many years of my life and feel that pain, or you can embrace God's authority and find out that's actually where peace and freedom really come from. We are all under authority right now. 
Number two, everybody lives both under and in authority within his or her relationships. So not one of us in this room is the ultimate authority in our lives. And we move in and out of authority all the time. Okay, As a father, you may be the authority figure in your home, but the second you go to work, your boss is the authority over you. Okay, You may be an athlete. You may be the authority in the huddle, but the second your coach blows his whistle and you take a knee in that circle, you're under authority in that moment. You may be the king of the third grade at school or the queen of the third grade at school, and you are in authority from about 8.30 in the morning till 3. But the second you walk across the threshold of your home, mom's in charge. And you're under authority. As a pastor, right now I'm exercising spiritual authority with fear and trembling to say, this is what God says. If you don't like it, talk to Him about it. Okay? That's the spiritual authority. But right now, I'm under the authority of the elders of Christ the King. If I go heretical today... They will stop me because I'm under authority. Okay, now we don't think this way, but there's safety when you're under good authority. I mean, I love being under the authority of the leadership of this church because God put them there for my protection. However, that's just not the way most of us view authority. Can we admit that we all have a bit of an authority problem? I mean, when we're a two or three-year-old little narcissistic savage, right? What are the words that come out of our mouth when somebody says we have to do something? You're not the boss of me. And then we grow up into 43 or 44-year-old narcissistic savages, and it just changes. Our language just changes. We don't say you're not the boss of me. We say the government's just a bunch of mindless lackeys. Manager of the manners, he knows absolutely nothing. I should have his job. My professors know jack. My parents are so out of touch and clueless. And my boss, he's an idiot. And none of those people are the boss of me. It just changes. Here's a tough lesson for all of us. Before you can be in authority, you must be under authority. I've had to learn that one. Without godly authority over this guy, I am dangerous. And so are you. I can get all wrapped up in the wrong stuff, and when I don't have somebody there to bring some headship into my life, I'm dangerous. Let's be clear, okay? We're going to talk about this a lot. Headship is not dictatorship. It's not the same thing. In fact, Jesus displayed his headship by washing the feet of his disciples. Jesus said this, just so we're clear, all authority in heaven has been given to me, which means none of us have an authority outside of the authority that Jesus already has. And that would lead us to the logical conclusion that if you want to be healthy relationally, the first thing you need to do is make sure that you're under submission, under the authority of Jesus. And then God says we're to find humble human authority to step underneath of because that's also wise. Usually happens once or twice a year here at Christ the King. Somebody shows up, it's usually a guy, and he walks up and says this. So, how do you become an elder around here? And I'm like, <laughs> actually it's more like this, okay? I'm like, uh, you don't. But if you want to know how it works, you serve. You pick up a towel and you wipe down a bathroom. You help stack chairs at a funeral as a volunteer. You humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and you wait until He's ready to lift you up. Should we aspire to leadership? Absolutely. But how do we do that? The same way Jesus did. Humility through service. Moving on. Another basic, God models submission and authority within the Trinity. 
This perfect relationship there within the context of submission. I mean, I love the fact God never asks us to do anything He hasn't already done. So God modeled healthy submission and authority for all of us. So let's do a quick thing on the Trinity here, okay? God the Father is God. Jesus the Son is God. God the Holy Spirit is God. They're all God in three persons, okay? One in three, three in one. If, you, if that's confusing, I did a whole series on the Trinity a couple years ago. It's on the website. You can go and check it out. Okay, all three are one God, and yet the Bible shows very clearly that Jesus submitted to the will of His Father when He went to the cross, took our sin on His perfect life, and paid a penalty that we could not pay. How did that work? I'll tell you. It worked because Jesus trusted that His Father was motivated by love. Remember that, because in a few moments, we're going to dive into some Colossians verses, and I'm just going to tell everybody, without love as a motivator, this will go terribly wrong. Each member of the Trinity has a role. The Father reigns, the Son seeks and saves the lost, and the Holy Spirit comforts and empowers. And with that, we learn this, difference of role doesn't mean inequality of worth. Okay, just because you play a different role doesn't mean it's not as important. I mean, right now, my role is to bring the Word of God. But if the amazing volunteers who are working in the audio and video edge just made a decision to just kind of turn (laughs) we would find out who's actually in control of this whole thing, right? Okay? Because that's the whole power piece, but it's not about power. We all have a role to play, and it's equally important to God. So we got to baptize last weekend. We baptized more than 70 people. Praise God. I mean, what an incredible, incredible weekend. But we need to understand this. We can't baptize if our amazing custodial staff doesn't fill and clean the tank. We can't baptize if the pastors and the after-service prayer team don't hold a class where we get to listen to the stories of the people who are, getting, who are actually getting baptized. We can't baptize if you don't introduce Jesus to your friends and then invite them to come here and meet Him. Everybody's role, equally important. Every role matters. And even in that, God is asking us to do what He's already done. I love this. God uses His authority, which is supreme, to love people. God uses His authority to serve people. So take all of what we've talked about so far, okay? Take all of it. We'll sum it up in one sentence. Humble vertical relationship produces healthy horizontal relationship. You get this one right with humility and authority and submission to Jesus, and I promise you it will have an amazing effect on the horizontal relationships that you have. My family does amazing when I'm fully submitted to God. When I'm not submitted to God, it doesn't go well with my wife and my kids. My relationships with the elders and pastors of Christ the King, they're amazing when I'm submitted to God. When, I, when I'm out doing my own thing, usually those relationships get strained. So here's what I'm saying. If you're struggling relationally with other human beings, you need to stop, do a gut check, and make sure that this relationship is fully submitted. All right? So keep all that in mind. And don't forget anything we've learned in the first two chapters of Colossians, okay? Jesus is supreme in all things. Christ is all and in all. We put off the old life, put on the new. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness. Put on love that holds it all together in unity. We're all under the authority of God. Remember all of that stuff, and here comes the hard stuff. Be prepared to be offended, because I'm probably going to hit all of us at some point. Ready? 
Wee! This is great, right? Verse 18, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Stop. If you're a husband in the room and your reaction was, yeah, you just disqualified yourself as the leader of your home and completely missed the point. And I'll talk to you in a second. If you're a wife and your reaction was, no, uh, you just missed the point too. Don't forget what we just talked about. God's given us different roles within the family. But let me say it again. The difference of role does not mean inequality of worth. God is not saying wives are worth less. God forbid we think that. Galatians 3 says this. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul is just saying, he's talking to the ladies first, and he's saying to both parties, don't be arrogant, don't be domineering. This submission thing is not about being a slave or a doormat. Paul is just saying this to the ladies. Ladies, don't try and rule your husband's life. Let God do that. Husbands, let God do that. Okay? Guys, you're next. Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Ladies, if your reaction to that statement is, that'll be the day, or I wish, you just missed the point too. So guys, let's just have a man-to-man talk here for a second. The book of Ephesians uses the same language in a different passage when it says this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Guys, Jesus died for the church. So that means your role as a husband is to die to your selfish ambition and spend your life loving and serving the gift that God put in your family known as your wife. Can I get an amen from somebody? I do this little thing at every wedding that I perform. See, I just love that. So Terry just reached out and like squeezed his wife's knee down here. I'm like, yes, that's awesome. So sorry to embarrass you, but that was really cool, okay? Back to the wedding thing. So I do this in every wedding I've ever performed. So I'm looking around the room now. There's like seven grooms that I've seen when you were all dressed up in your tux, pulling off the biggest fraud in history, right, you know? And you guys will remember this moment in the wedding because I don't tell you about it ahead of time. But I stop in the middle of the wedding before the vows and I look at the guy and I say, here's the deal. I'm going to ask you a question. If you get the answer wrong, I'm leaving. I will not finish your wedding and I'm taking the money you're paying me to do this gig with me what I say. And then I look at him and I ask this question. I want to know the answer to this question. This beautiful little girl's daddy wants to know the answer to this question. And everybody in this room wants to know the answer to this question. So don't mess it up. And the question is this. If it came down to a choice between your life or hers, would you die for her? I've heard some great answers. Most of the guys just put their head down, gather their composure, and say, yes, I would. And what happens in her heart and what happens in his soul can hold them together for a lifetime if they both realize that they're making a covenant and not just a promise. Guys, you see, we need to understand this. God's calling us to die to ourselves and love our wives like Jesus loved the church and to submit our hearts to God. It's not a power play. It's a love play. 
God's calling husbands to love your family by leading it. The problem is, most of us as guys, we don't lead anything. You know where we learned that? Adam. All the way back in Genesis. Snake shows up in the garden, starts having a conversation with Eve. You know what's so heartbreaking about that story? The Bible says Adam was there and he did nothing. Nothing. And that's what we see, right? Come on, guys, let's just be honest, right? We're there, but we're doing nothing. So just so we're clear, if a snake is having a conversation with your wife and you're a husband and a real man, you kill the snake. You protect. She's fine on her own, but you protect her. Not because you have to, because you get to. And I think it's time for men to, to stop abdicating the role that God's given us. And I know all the guys are just like, I don't know how to do that. Let me give you an example of biblical headship in its simplest form. Guys, you use the word let's a lot. L-E-T-S. Hey, you know what, sweetie? It's been a rough week. Let's take a walk together. Hey, our kids are scared because of all this stuff they're hearing. Let's pray together as a family. Let's take some time away, just the two of us. Let's go on a date. Let's show our kids what it looks like when mommy loves daddy. Let's read the word together. Let's go to church. That's headship. It's as simple as that. It's initiated action that leads your family towards the cross. Verse 20, kids, you're next, okay? Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Kids, if your response is, you're not the boss of me, you just missed the point with mom and dad. So welcome to the family, okay? Just missing the point a lot today. The Bible says obeying your parents is one way that you can love God. Now, mom and dad, this assumes that you're pleasing God in your parenting and you're doing what you're supposed to do, that you're protecting and that you're providing and giving your children an opportunity to actually want to obey, okay? And the Bible talks about what happens when we don't do that job as parents and it Paul comes at it and he hits the dads again. Verse 21, fathers, don't embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. Let me break down the Greek for you. It means this, dads, don't drive your kids nuts. All the kids are like, amen, right? <laughs> and let me tell you what that means. And moms, I think you can just step right into this conversation as well. We exasperate our children. We drive our children crazy when we don't practice what we preach. When we fall back into those old lines, do as I say, not as I do. What? How about both? And when our kids look at us and they see this dichotomy going on, that we say one thing and act completely differently, that creates all this dissonance in the relationship and they're just like, that's just frustrating. I'm out. Hmm. Okay, so we've offended wives, husbands, and kids. Let's keep going. Verse 22. Can we stop? No. Okay. All right. Um, slaves. That's the beginning word of verse 22. Let's just stop there for a second, okay? This is not an endorsement of slavery. God forbid. This is Paul speaking to a group of people for even though slavery was wrong and sinful, in their culture, it was still normative. 
And God was beginning the process of ripping that ugliness out. But Paul understood that was still very much a part of this world. In fact, a lot of Christians at this time in history were slaves. They weren't free. And Paul says this, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. If you need a modern context, think employer-employee relationship. The principles apply. Slaves, obey, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it, not only when their eyes on you to curry favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you're serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. So in a modern context, think employer employee, which means this. If you're a follower of Jesus, because God's your ultimate authority, you never ever work for a human being. You always work for Jesus, which means this. If you extend your lunch and take something that's not yours to take and break the quote-unquote rule, you're not ripping off your human boss. You're ripping off God. Yeah, amen. And that's a tough one, right? Because we all like to skate and take the easy road. And Paul just says, look, whatever you do, washing dishes, making coffee, running a corporation, flipping a burger, planting a tree, wearing a pancake costume on Bakerview, running a mutual fund, dancing with a sign, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as if Jesus was standing right beside you because he's your boss anyway. Paul says this is the bottom line. Your paycheck comes from God. So serve him well. I had a little section written in here about if you're 30 years old living in your mom's basement wearing Superman pajamas, it's time to grow up and get out and get a job, but I don't have time to cover it, so let's move on. Okay. (laughs) Colossians 4 verse 1. Masters, think bosses. Provide your slaves with what's right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Okay? It's not a promotion of slavery. May God use us as a church to eradicate slavery in this world. Paul is saying to all of those of you who are in authority, so bosses, here's the word for you. You better never forget that you've got a boss too, and he resides in heaven. And he wants you to treat all those who are under your authority with fairness and like family because that's how God operates. Okay, why are these truths so hard? I mean, why is this tough so hard for us? Let me tell you why. It's because we're naturally bent to respond, you're not the boss of me. We all have a problem with authority. It's the reality of being human. But what does God call us to? He calls us to willfully declare, this is what Paul wants us to say, Jesus, you are the boss of me. And I'll do whatever I have to in whatever role you placed me in to stay submitted to you. Because when I'm submitted to you and this vertical relationship is healthy, my horizontal relationships just go better. So I read this this past week, and I'll tell you what I did not hear. What I did not hear is, Grant, you're the boss, and Laurel better get her act together. Uh uh-uh. uh. Let me give you a visual. I read Colossians chapter 3, and God came to me as a husband and a dad and said, Grant, are you submitted to Jesus? Because if you are, 
take the most powerful position that a human being can. And then he whispered to my wife independently and said, Laurel, if Grant is really there in that sweet spot, would you come and join him in submission to Jesus? So I scooted over and my bride of 24 and a half years, she came and hung out right beside me and it was good and I got to squeeze her knee. And then even though I don't have much of that fatherly authority role anymore, God invited my two kids, 19 and 17, to come and kneel with us. You know, I've learned, um, I stopped being the cop for Braden and McKenna a while ago. I'm not even a coach anymore. I'm a consultant now. And I give my opinion when it's asked for. Some of you parents... Time for you to surrender your badge and hand over your whistle. Some of you need to go buy a badge and purchase a whistle because the lunatics are running the asylum. That's all I'm going to say about that. So it's a whole other message. So here we are. And God invites in this beautiful little circle he invites CEOs and people who flip burgers to take a knee. He invites stockbrokers and people who stock shelves to come and take a knee in submission to Jesus, knowing that when I get here, this stuff works because it's motivated by love and we can trust each other. So this is my question for all of us today as we wrap up. My question is not, so who are you in authority over? My question is, under whose authority are you? For all of us, this is a call to submit to Jesus. We'll work out the horizontal stuff as we go along, but this is a call to submit to Jesus in everything, family business, relationships, friendships, all the way across the board so that we can paint over our entire relational world, Jesus plus nothing. I know this marriage stuff is tough because I deal with a lot of folks in our church is struggling. I want you to mark a date, a weekend down. I'm giving you like two months notice about this one. On June 22nd and 23rd, one of the best authors on this topic is going to be with us all weekend long, and he'll be preaching in all four services and doing a marriage seminar as well. His name is Gary Thomas. Gary has written Sacred Pathways, Sacred Parenting, Sacred Marriage, Sacred Intimacy, I and mean, he's written all of these books, and he's a phenomenal communicator. If you want to squirm and laugh, come and hear Gary talk to you. Gary will say this to those of you who are married, marriage was not created to make you happy. It was created to make you holy, and out of holiness comes joy and happiness. That's what Jerry's, Gary's going to talk to you about. And I want you to, there's a marriage seminar on Saturday morning, and then he'll preach at all four services. A lot of people don't know, uh, before Gary went to be an associate pastor at the largest church in North America, 
This was Gary's home church, and he would hide on Saturday nights over there in that section. And then he moved to Houston, and he's coming back as a favor to break down what it really, really means, because I think we all need help in our relationships, bottom line. So June 22 and 23, circle it, and I don't care if it's 98 degrees outside, we all need that help in our relationships. Next week, the last part of Colossians chapter 4, we're going to wrap it up. It's a really big weekend here at Christ the King, because we need to talk about what's happening in the rest of the spring and the summer, which is going to impact all of us. I really hope you'll make it a high priority to come back and join us. Let's pray together now. So, Father God, I pray that we would never lose the imagery of taking a knee before the cross of Jesus. Father, whatever role we're in, husband, wife, children, boss, employee, I pray we would not lose your heart this morning from Colossians 3, that we must be submitted vertically so that we can operate horizontally. So, Lord Jesus, would you come and, and, and help us to have that conversation with you? God, we want to be fully submitted to you. Before we even look at our human interactions, God, please help us to be submitted to you. And thank you, God, that your authority is exerted in love. God, I pray for husbands this week. I pray that they would use the word let's. God, for the wives that are in the room, I pray that they would see their role is so vitally important. God, I pray for children that they would look to their parents who are looking to Jesus and that families would be healed and restored. God, I pray for all of us, whether we're a boss or an employee, I pray that this week we would work as unto the Lord. Lord, thanks for making this so practical. God, I pray for those in the room right now who have someone in authority over them and they're using that authority for evil. And I pray that they would know that submission does not mean you're a doormat. I pray that they would know that submission does not mean that they just need to suffer. Father, I pray in that broken circumstance that they would look deeply within themselves and look to that vertical relationship where all wisdom guidance and help comes from. So Father, help us not to be the exception this week. God, help us to submit to Jesus and to obey your word. And it is in your good name that we pray and all God's people said.